Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host back on the 9th of May 2009 when West Brom beat Wigan Athletic 3-1 at the Hawthorns. He was there and so was I. How are you, John? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, Another obscure (laughs) reference. Uh, Fortune got two goals and Brunty got one. Uh, Like I said, we won 3-1 against uh, Wigan. Um, looking forward to talking to some baggies. So we're recording this on the 16th of January. We lost to QPR yesterday, 1-0. Um, good to see DK come on after 60 minutes. He seemed to make a real impact. Um, but unfortunately, Charlie Austin came back to haunt us by scoring a header in the 89th minute. Um, yeah, disappointing. You were invited back onto Radio WM, weren't you? And you said at the time that this game was a six-pointer because of our form and also, you know, us being fourth and um, QPR being fifth. And it was really, you know, a must-win game or definitely not a must-lose game. Well, we lost it. Uh, so what did you make of the game? Um, I think GK, when he came on, was fantastic. That's the positive. The big positive for me is him. Um, I think the tempo was good. Uh, we played at the right tempo. Um, but I don't think we created anywhere near enough. Uh, you know, we created one chance, which Matt Phillips missed, uh, which was a shame because uh, that was actually created by the press. I think the press was very effective um, in the first half. Um, but, you know, it's a bit of a groundhog day, really, in that, you know, we, we may have played well, but ultimately, if you can't if you can't keep a clean sheet, and you can't score goals, then you're going to lose, aren't you? So disappointing, really. I think it was a really disappointing result because the way we started the game, I thought we were going to get something from it. Minimum of a draw. I think we deserved a draw. Minimum. Uh, I think it was a bit cruel, really, the way that they scored. But you know, it's we've got to be more clinical again. We've got to be more clinical. But it was. Uh, I think in the 30 minutes that DK was on the pitch, had he been on from the start, I think he would have scored. Uh, certainly you've scored that goal from Matt Phillips. I think it's like anything else, isn't it? I think, you know, when you... It's almost like we need to score the first goal to bring the opposition out, um, and we're just not doing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are the positives. The the negatives, of course. Uh, poor defensive. I mean, it was a really poor goal to concede. Uh, Button didn't look particularly convincing. Um, kept uh, playing as a sweeper-keeper all the time. Which is fine, but you know, just heart in the mouth stuff sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think the midfield was pretty poor. Uh, Malumbi was quite, um, quite uh, anonymous. Livermore didn't have a good game again. So when you haven't got a spine, you know, a spine in your midfield, you're just going to struggle. Uh, Callum Robinson pulling out of tackles. That was pretty. I was pretty upset with that, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was a bit of groundhog day, really, mate. I suppose yeah. that'd be my overarching opinion. I think, you know, your summary isn't wrong. I, I want to echo your thoughts about DK. I thought he looked brilliant. He looked up for it. He looks big. He looks strong. He looks everything, you know, the striker we hoped he would be. In that little 30-minute snippet, he seemed to be, you know, excellent. Um, and, you know, he looked fired up and he was far, even firing the fans up as well, wasn't he, by sort of getting them to, you know, sing and, and things like that. And he, he seems like a great signing. Um, but, yeah, like you say, you know, it's the same thing over and over. We don't seem to be improving and we seem to just be dropping down the league like a rock. Um, I believe we are now fifth and we've got, I think we're one point um, ahead of seventh place. So we're a lot 
closer to being out the playoffs than we are being anywhere near the uh, top two. I have got some frustrations, um, you know, with Val that I want to just reel off. I won't. I know we've talked about it at length um, on episode twenty, but I just want to, you know, the certain things that when they were happening, I thought, what? Why is he doing this? So, like I said, I'm going to reel some off. So the first thing was. Um, he was asked in an interview, I believe it was with the Express and Star, about DK. He was asked well, a few outlets about DK. And, you know, they said, oh, is he going to be involved? Is he going to start? Well, he said, you know, I'm, he's going to be involved, but he won't start. And I thought at the time, why is he revealing this? Why is he saying this? Because, what you know, you're giving your opposition your game plan. They, for all we know, they might be thinking DK starting. This is, you know, this is going to be really difficult. He's a great striker. He scored a lot of goals. We need to be ready for this. And then you don't play him. You switch it. It, it can, it can have you, you know, even that one percent advantage. It keeps your opponents on edge until the team sheet comes out an hour before kickoff. So I didn't understand that. Um, we've got, we've got five centre halves at the moment out at the moment. Uh, Semi Ajayi's. Um, on the African Cup of Nations, Ipre suspended. Uh, Carl Bartley, Keane Bryan, and Dara Shea are all still injured. So we've got one fit, recognised centre half in Matt Clark, but we still persist with three-four-three, a formation that calls for three centre halves. Because of that, we're having to play Darnell Furlong and Connor Townsend at centre half. And then I heard one of the criticisms was that the the delivery and the final ball wasn't good enough. Well. What you know? What do we expect when our best cross of the ball is playing centre half in Connor Townsend? I, I just think it, it's really poor decision making. And then you've got Jake Livermore, who we've all agreed you know he's pretty static in the centre midfield, but played well at centre half uh, when we played Coventry. Well, he's not a centre half; he's playing centre midfield, which doesn't make any sense because you know if you've got Clark and you've got Livermore there, you've got a little bit more height, you've got a little bit more you know physical. Um, physical presence at the back and i'm not saying it would have meant we wouldn't have conceded but we would have had somebody there to challenge charlie austin it was almost like a free header when he scored that goal and i just think it's another poor decision and i feel like we just keep on making these val keeps on making these same mistakes over and over and nothing seems to be changing and his inflexibility is costing us and costing himself because at the end of the day a lot of fans are frustrated and I completely understand why I share the frustrations and he needs to change something because this can't this can't last uh, well yeah they're fair criticisms to be honest with you you're not wrong um, I was hope I'd hoped with the first point that it was a bluff uh, that he was sort of going to start it because that would have been preferable to me I agree you know telling the telling the opposition your tactics uh, significantly before the game allows them to prepare for you which is not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so that is a, definitely a fair criticism. Um, I understand what you're saying about the three at the back because, um, you know, the only, the only counterpoint I would say is it wouldn't matter what formation, if you play more than one centre-half, you'd have to have somebody playing out of position next to Matt Clark anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and, in that, in, and in that sense, they're even more isolated because I think the whole point of a pack three is to sort of make up for deficiencies within your, your defenders. Um, and if you play two at the back, then obviously people are, you know, you 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 you're not allowing that to happen. So, I, while I understand what you're saying, I disagree partly with with that with that. I think three at the back is easier to play as a central defender uh, than it is uh, two at the back. Um, 
Chris Willock's cross, nobody's getting out to that. Uh, you know, it was just really, really poor. It was a good cross, but very poor goal to concede because, you know, nobody's getting on the end of that, are they? Charlie Austin, yeah. you know, he wanted to get on the end of it, so he did. You know, you should be able to get yourself in between the ball and the man, even if you're not a centre-off, you know, Connor Townsend or Darnell Furlong, it doesn't really matter. You know how to defend, uh, so just do it, is my sort of contentious contention there. But no, no, I think you're, I think you're pretty square on really and pretty fair comments for fair criticisms um but i don't think it's going to amount to anything because um we're going to get hopefully we'll get some of our central defenders back uh, next week which uh, will allow us i, I mean dar O'Shea's back in full training apparently i'm wondering how long it's going to take for him to get back to yeah. uh, to playing because i think with him matt clark and one other you know keeper if you think keeper matt clark and then dar O'Shea next to him that's yeah. a pretty that's a pretty good back three in my opinion. That's about yeah. as good as it gets, really. Um, but the issue for me is in the midfield, um, where I don't feel like we have a significant balance, and I think it's causing us bigger, big, more bigger and bigger problems. The more players we have out, because there's not people there good enough to sort of bail Livermore out, mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's he started to hurt the team now more than he ever did before, um, because. As you point, you correctly point out, he's just he's just not mobile enough anymore. Um, it's a real shame, really, because I really like Jake Livermore. You know, he's a club captain, yeah, and he's he's been a good servant to the club. But he is he started, you know, he's he's just too immobile. And when you're playing as a two in midfield, that is hard. That is uh, against three, when you're up against three more often than not, as we are this season. Uh, you know, you need to be on top of your game, and he's just not there. Yeah. So what does? <laughs> You know, it's easy for us to surmise and say he's not doing the right things. He's not doing the right things. We've even we've even on this podcast, you know, suggested formations that would improve the team, in our opinion, but putting another player into midfield um, and things like that to try and equalise the the imbalance that's happening, like you just correctly pointed out. But he doesn't see the flexibility doesn't seem to be there. And I fear um you know, and I've said I've said this before that this four-year contract he's got is breeding an air of arrogance. I don't know Val. I don't know him personally. I've got nothing against him. I just want the team to do well. And you know, when we're not doing well, it, 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 his his decisions are highlighted. If we were winning every game, I'm sure you know the people argue about the football not being the best. But I think we'd all, or especially myself anyway, I just think well, it's working. But you know, it's the inflexibility all the time. It's it's never changing anything. It's it's this constant, almost robotic, you know, repetition of things. Um, I think I think I think, to, I think to be fair, mate. I think what he's he's seen enough in the game to suggest that the formation is working. The issue is that in his mind, and as he keeps saying in post-match interviews, players are making mistakes, individual errors, not scoring goals, back, you know, defensive errors. It's not. Uh, yesterday was an exe- was an exception. I think we were outplayed in the midfield uh, by QPR. Yeah. Um, second half, I think we were okay first half, but I think second half they really did a number on us. So I'm hoping that he will have seen that because I think in the previous games, you know, like Derby, Barnes, and all that, we were all over them and we just didn't score the goals and we were on top. Yeah. So that's not a, that's not a reason to change the formation, is it? If you're creating lots and lots of chances and you just got Jordan Hugo playing central midfield, <laughs> you know. It doesn't matter. Well, it's 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 not yeah. the formation that's at fault, is it? But I do believe that yesterday the 
playing four across the midfield, and those, particularly those four, was was ambitious. Uh, we were ambitious six. It was very very ambitious. Us expecting to do well there, because I think QPR are a decent team away from home. Um, and uh, that's that's not good enough. So while I agree with you on you know looking at yesterday in isolation, I don't think the formation was the right one yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think more generally, uh, he probably thinks that it's not the formation that's the problem; it's the players. Yeah. One thing I do want to say: um, play, people might people may be right, and I suspect you probably are right in terms of the players are letting the club down. They, they haven't been good enough, you know. It, like you say, Callum Robinson pulling out of tackles. And it does, I mean, I was listening to a, a podcast with Ben Foster, just want to mention quickly, and he said that, you know, managers don't lose the dressing room. But what happens is the players don't give 100%. They might give 95%. And that 5% can be the difference between winning and losing. Well, it seems firmly like the players are giving him 95%, if not less. They're not, it doesn't feel like they're committed. You can look at that one or two ways. The players should be more professional. Absolutely. I'm with you. I completely agree. But you look, when we were under Di Matteo and we were going down, we were going to go down. And then Roy Hodgson comes in and he completely changed us around. We become, I think we finished almost mid-table, very comfortable. And now we're the same players. I don't think Val gets enough out of them, in my opinion, for whatever reason. Now, a good manager, in my opinion, should be able to motivate any player it shouldn't just be a case of, like, I mean, we're going to talk about his post-match comments, and it's like he blames the referee, he blames his own players, he'll blame the weather, he'll blame anything but himself. He, I've never heard once in an interview and say, I got it wrong today, my, my, my you know, my, my decision was wrong or this was wrong. It's always somebody else's fault. And I think with his four-year contract and the way he talks, it just, it just seems arrogant and the fact that he won't change anything. And... It's all well and good, him saying he's got a four-year contract and it's a process. But I just want to quickly read out the, the how the parachute payments actually work, because I wasn't fully aware of, you know, the ins and outs. I knew you had three years and I knew you got money. But just so, so people know, so you get a 55% equal share of the broadcast revenue. So that basically means whatever a club would get in the Premier League, a team that's relegated will get 55% of that. The second year, they're in the, outside the Premier League. They'll get 45% of that. And then the third year, they only get 20%. And then that's it. You're, you know, you're back to 11 playing field with the rest of the championship clubs. So it's all well and good in saying, oh, I've got this four-year contract and it's a process. Well, we've only got three years, really, before we become, you know, the same budget as every other championship team. So we haven't got four years to wait for a process because by the time that process finishes, he might be out and gone somewhere else. And we're left with, you know, a team that is a mid-table championship team rather than ones. These are these are very, you know, this is a very, the decisions being made right now is going to affect the future of our club, unfortunately. And I just think he's making poor, poor decisions. And I hope he either goes and we get somebody in that can do a better job or he starts making the right decisions because, like I said, it's an important time for the club. You know, I think in his mind, he thinks he is making the right decisions, Mike. I think he's got a completely different remit to to everybody else. I think our fan base is expecting immediate success. And I don't think he's been tasked with immediate success. I think he's been tasked with getting rid of the high earners um, out of the squad and replacing them with cheaper players, basically, to prepare for 
us to, to go up and have more money available to spend on the players that we need. I think yeah. historically the club has made a lot of mistakes in the transfer market. I think buying Jake Livermore for £12 million and probably putting him on an extremely good contract was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and then re and then, you know, and then giving him another contract was a mistake. If you look mm-hmm. at all the mistakes that we've made, you know, big, big, big money players. I mean, we, we paid, we were paying um, our Robson Carnu something like 50 grand, 50 odd grand a week, you know. So <laughs> yeah, I said, sorry, just to interrupt you. I said, look, he used to, people used to say, well, he warms up really well. Do you remember? He used to be really enthusiastic in warm up. If I was getting paid 55 grand a week to warm up, I'd be enthusiastic about my warm ups as well. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, no. It's all right. So I think, you know, I think there's a lot of, he, he is paying for quite a lot of mis- historical mistakes that he didn't make. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's been tasked with fixing it. Right? This is my my firm belief. Um, and I don't think he's, his timeline is the same as our fans. I think our fans believe that we've got two years or three years or one year. And I don't think that's, I think, I think he's, it's more of a three year plan myself. Yeah. Um, I don't believe it's. It, I don't believe. First of all, I don't believe going up this season would be good for us as a club, uh, because I don't think we are. We have the right owner to go up. I don't think we have the right squad. Um, we just. We would just be lambs to the slaughter again, um, and uh, we can't keep going up and coming down, going up and coming down, because eventually the yo-yo will break. Hopefully, this isn't the yo-yo breaking. But um, I think I, I think that's the, the long and the short of it is I think he's on a completely different timeline to the to the fan base and I think the fans are all looking at it thinking we need to go up this season we need to do this we need to do that and I don't think the club the leadership of the club or, or Val himself is is even considering that really I think um, he needs to try because you know it's it's all about it's all about money isn't it at the end of the day if we if we go yeah. up now we've got more money but. I think if he could, if he could choose, if he could have his own, if he could have his own way, he could get, he'd get rid of a lot, get rid of a lot of these players and replace them with different ones, ones who want to play for him. Because if you listen to what he talks about when he talks about transfers, he talks about um, you know the right player. He doesn't talk about players buying players. He does, he said he'd rather have a smaller squad than a big one. Um, so I think I think we've got a, a, a patchwork quilt squad which needs fixing. I want us to be competitive in the Premier League when we go up. I think Val's tactics are tailor-made for us in the Premier League, actually, because I think it's a really good way for us to score goals from open playoffs. I've said that before. Um, you know, maintain a defensive outlook, which is what we will need to do, but at the same time, try and score goals from open play. And that differs to Pulis ball on that crucial fact, I think, is that the press tries to create chances, whereas his style was more about getting set pieces. So, um, you know... Not to sort of labour the point, but um, I think we, we we're not we're not singing on the, off the same hymn sheet. I don't think the fans and, and the managers are and the and the, the board are all singing off the same hymn sheet. Maybe they should set. Maybe they should come out and tell us what the what the plan yeah. is, and maybe people can decide whether or not they want to get behind it. The issue is if you come out and you tell people this, then they're going to go, well, I ain't renewing my season ticket, and I'm not going to sit here and watch a rebuild. Um, because it's going to be painful, and it is painful. You know, it's being painful right now. But I honestly believe we're in a rebuild, and I think he's that's his remit. You're right in what you say about you know if the, if the owners or, or vowels to come out and say, look, this is a rebuild process. This is a three year plan, and we, we're going to be doing what we're doing. Obviously, you know that that would affect season ticket sales. Maybe I, th- I think personally, it might get fans on board, and they go, okay, we want to support the club, we want to support this process, and 
you know, it might make things a little bit different. But you say about, you know, the um, effect attendances. Well, look at the Brighton game. You know, I think I've heard since, was it like 1910 since our last, our, our, our attendance was that low? And I know there's other factors like COVID and stuff we discussed, but surely that's happening anyway because of the poor football, because the fact we, you know, we keep losing, especially recently, our, our form has been awful. That's happening anyway. So surely it would be better for him and the club to have more communication with fans and say, this is a process, guys. You know, we understand that everyone's frustrated and, and we completely get you, but we've got to we've got to go through this process. But I suppose then, what are you saying? Well, the players that we've got currently, we don't like. We want to try and get rid of them as soon as possible. It's it's a difficult one, but something needs to change because the way things are going, it's not a good environment at the moment. And we just need a result. We just need a, we just need some results. I mean, it's it's every week I'm watching the games and I'm thinking. We just need to get a get a win, get a win by hook or by crook. Just get a yeah, win. Yeah. You know, we need some help from the referees as well. I mean, another another Stonewall penalty not not given. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm not I'm not I don't want to make excuses for the for, for Val because you know you've made some good points. You've there's people are annoyed, but we are not getting anything off referees at the minute. We're not. We're just not. I even saw one person saying that that Charlie Austin was five yards offside when he headed the ball when he you know for his chance. I haven't actually had the chance to verify that. No, I didn't see that on Twitter. Sure. So, you know, we're in a of real funk. You know, we're in a real, real divot at the moment. And I think, um, the, I don't think the manager's going anywhere. I just, I just can't see it. Um, I think he's, 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 he's staying. I think, um, but, but we just need a result. I, I'm with you because I think, you know, look at DK, right? DK comes through the door. He gets on the pitch, and I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to understate it or overstate it. He's his start was explosive. If he'd have got a goal, then we'd all be sat here talking about, you know, one of the best yeah. debuts for for a striker we've had. He was fantastic. He looks like the real deal, um, and we haven't had a player like that even in the Prem, you know. So Val was able to get us this player, um, and we haven't been out, we haven't had a player like this in my opinion since Lukaku. So yeah. You know, it's early days, obviously, but you know, if you, if you take his his debut on face value, so there's your positives for me. But you know, to get to long term success, you have to have short term success. Um, and it doesn't matter whether or not I look at it and I'm going, I can see the long term benefits here. If we don't get any short term benefits, then there's no long term, is there? So no, we need some. We need we we need the um, the blocks to start falling into place for us a little bit. I think. Yeah. So let's. Um, oh, just before we do, actually, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Val's um, interview and, and see what he said after the game. But just before we do that, I just want to uh, mention that we're now on Stitcher. All things Albion are now on Stitcher, a new platform. Uh, we're still on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Plus, Spotify, and the other platforms. But we're also on Stitcher now. So if you're listening to on this, to, uh, if you're listening to this on Stitcher, thank you very much for joining us, as well as the other platforms. And if Stitcher is your platform of choice, then um, you're welcome to listen to us over there. So, anyway, let's jump into what he had to say after the game. Uh, I believe this was on uh, westbrom.co.uk, wba.co.uk. So he said, it's a difficult one tonight. It was a good performance, especially in the first half. We didn't manage to create the big chances because the last pass and the crosses weren't good enough. QPR raised their game in the second half and they applied plenty of intensity and pressure, but we managed initially to withstand it. We gained a bit of momentum when Daryl DK came on. We felt as though we were on the right path. 
After that, we should have had a penalty for a foul on Connor Townsend. It's very frustrating because it's two games now where I feel we should have had a penalty and we could have had six points from them. I think we would have won the game if the ref had given a penalty. We conceded the goal right at the end and it was just a, a big frustration. The other big frustration is we cannot play our best players. We have injuries and suspensions. We have to manage it every game. When you have the best players on the pitch and on the bench able to come on, you can have the impact on the game. At the minute, it's difficult because we're not able to get all of our key players together. And we've had that problem for many weeks now. We need them all back to create more momentum. I understand the criticism because we are not satisfied with the results. At some point, we need to understand our situation because we can't play our strongest team. We need to. We need our key players back. Dal DK impressed when he came on, and that is a big positive. We have to keep going and we have to keep challenging. It just feels like it's the same thing over and over again. You know, I feel like he just says the same things over and over again. Obviously, you know, it's, I, you know, echoing what you said. Yes, Daryl DK was was a really big plus, and he was, you know, he, hopefully he's the striker. Well, he looks like the striker that we've all been waiting for, and and maybe things will be different because you mentioned about the the other games when we were dominating, but we just couldn't get that that goal. Hopefully, he will bring those goals with with him, but. Like I said, you know, it's just the same old thing. We're frustrated. We need to do better. The referees aren't doing it. The players aren't doing it. Nothing's my fault. I'm great. And my formation is perfect, even though we've got no centre-halves. <laughs> is, is, is that a direct quote? Is it? Is a direct... <laughs> it's, it's a direct quote from Mike from All Things Albion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. You're right. He is, he is just saying the same things. And, you know, I think he laboured the point. I mean, he's right. He is right in some ways. And I do agree with him. Yeah. You know, we are in a massive, we are having a massive problem with suspensions and injuries at the moment. But that's what happens when you, you get yellow cards and red cards, isn't it? You know, um, it's just such a shame. Um, this this will have this has cost us this this period has cost us promotion for this season yeah. anyway. Um, so we may as well be looking at how we can we can get in the playoffs because I think if you know I think the minimum the fan base would expect is, is a playoff run. Um, so how do we get in the playoffs? Well, we get our players back and we hopefully start winning games again. But this this period has already cost us promotion, automatic promotion, in my opinion. Uh, where we where we failed with that was was you know the Derby broke Barnsley games was our opportunity to get back into the top two, and we didn't take it. Yeah. Um, what worries me is that I think there's four or five better teams in the league than us right now. Uh, Middlesbrough are far superior. Uh, QPR are a good team, and they they've proved it yesterday. Uh, Fulham are better than us. Blackburn are better than us. Bournemouth are better than us. Uh, you'd argue Stoke. Could potentially be better than us as well. Yeah, there's a lot of teams uh, with games in hand on us now as well, isn't there? Yeah, I think I think from a squad perspective, you know, there's two things that have cost us. One, this period of of failing to score goals has cost us dearly, but the summer cost us everything because you know failure to invest in the team then um, is what's caused us to have this squad for half a season, which didn't score any goals and had all these problems. So. Um, yeah, that's how it feels to me. It feels like it's over now from a from a, and maybe that maybe that's a positive because maybe that's pressure off a little bit because hopefully you can spin it as a positive thing for the players to sort of say, well, you know, we're out of the title race now, so let's concentrate on doing doing some things that are you know doing the right things, doing good things now, uh, and we'll think about the playoffs. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to move on next uh, to talk about a great suggestion by you, actually. I don't, know, I don't know if you heard this on social media or, or it was your idea, but um, naming the E stand, the Cyril Regis stand, which I thought was a really good idea. But before that, I uh, just want to say a quick thank you to a couple of our fans that said some really nice comments. So on Twitter, I just want to say a big thank you to Jim uh, for his comments. And then on Facebook, Mark, uh, just a big shout out to him as well, because they said some really nice comments about the the podcast we do really appreciate you know the, the kind comments and the support so thank you very much guys so yeah um like i said great so, suggestion sorry go on so basically so what it, when it the way it came to me was uh i was on twitter as usual uh, and a chap um i forget his name now I think it's mog mogster or something like that was talking about the fact that um you know it's been four years since cyril regis uh, passed away and we lost him yeah uh, and he was talking about the fact that Tony Brown's got his statue. Jeff Hustle's got some gates. You know, where's Cyril? Uh, and I actually thought about this. I thought about, why don't we just rename the stand, the East stand? Because it's not got a name. It's called the no. East stand. Uh, and I think that would be a really nice touch. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's a big loss. He's an iconic footballer, um, yeah. not just for us, but for in general. Um it just makes sense. I mean, you know, it's just something I wanted to talk to you about, see what you thought about it, really. I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, Sir Regis is a club legend and, you know, someone who should be recognised and, and have something like that. And you mentioned, you know, we've got the Astor Gates. Um, Tony Brown's got his statue. I think it's a great idea and a, and a really nice touch and something that the club could do um, to honour him, really, because he, like I said, he is a club legend and he deserves that recognition. And I think, what a great idea. Um, a stand that doesn't have a name. It's called the E-Stand. It should be called the Cyril Regis Stand. I think um, I think it's a great idea. I think he's 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 a big enough icon outside of West Bromwich Albion as Absolutely, well to, yeah. to justify it. Because, you know, he, he, I think the impact that he had on, on young lads who wanted to play football who were not able to or didn't feel like they were welcome um, is... Is far-reaching. Um, you know, I've listened to Dion Dublin talk about him, which was which was really quite poignant. Uh, you know, lots of people, lots of lots of lads of that age. Uh, you know, they they look at him as as one of their heroes. So he, he even I think he's he's one of the few players I think uh, of our led our club legends that's a legend in more than just our eyes. You know, yeah, you, you, look, you look at fans around the around the country, they all look at Cyril and they know who he is. Uh, so I think he justifies it as well. Um, but you know, it could be any of them, couldn't it? it could be Laurie, Laurie Cunningham, it could be Cyril. But we've lost Cyril mm. under such circumstances that, uh, and, and it being as recent as well, maybe on a five, maybe after five years, that'd be quite a nice touch. It's almost yeah. like a way of of um, recognizing that five year anniversary would be to reach to change the name. Because I, like you, I don't really care that it's you know it's it's not got a name. It's not like we're changing its name from something else, is it? You know, the Smedic's yeah. the Smedic, the Birmingham Rose, the Birmingham Rose, the Alfreds Lane's the Alfreds Lane. Why can't the uh, the East Stand be the East Regis Stand. Yeah, or the Three Degrees Stand, maybe. Yeah, all that. You know, how, how do you look at it? How, how, you know, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't just have to be one man, does it? It could be uh, all of them because they all have the same impact on us. Yeah, all trailblazers, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good suggestion, and uh, hopefully, you know, someone from the club will have, have agree with that idea, and it would be, like I said, a, a lovely touch, and it was a great suggestion. Thank you, John. Well, what does you know? I think the key thing is the reason why I wanted to talk about it is what does everybody else think? Because yeah, um, 
you know, tell us in the comments, tell us, talk to us on Twitter, tell us what you think, because if it's something that, you know, we, we as a fan base want, you know, maybe we can think of a way to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just moving on to uh, a couple of bit of transfer news and um, basically Sam Johnston uh, has been in the press again. Uh, Val doesn't think that he's going to go in January, which doesn't surprise me really. Uh, unless there's a big injury to one of the clubs that are interested. So if one of their goalkeepers gets injured, he thinks that, you know, something might change. And he, and he, you know, he said a few times anything can happen before the 31st of January, but he doesn't believe he's going to go anywhere. Uh, Sam Johnston did an interview with the Metro um, and he just said that he's focused on us getting promoted. That's his only aim. And he talked about the different managers and their different styles and he believes he's quite versatile. Um, yeah, he's very good at throwing the ball in his own net under any manager, um, which is quite impressive. <laughs> Listen, Sorry. he's gonna he's, he's gonna get a huge you know, he, he's a clever he's 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 not an idiot, is he? He's, he knows he's gonna get a huge signing on bonus if he goes for a free. He's gonna get bigger wages if he goes for a free. Uh he's an, he's an England international, you know, he's got no risk at all. And he's and he's he feels like he owes presumably he feels like he owes us nothing. So um he he's gonna he's just talking a good game there. He's 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 heads elsewhere, definitely. Definitely. It's very very diplomatic answers, you know, on focus on the Premier League. I just want to be back in the Premier League and it's like, yeah, <laughs> not with West Brom though. Or you'd not bothered if it's with West Brom. Um, a couple of things that have been touted around in the press. Uh, Marcus Force, uh, you correctly pointed out, I think last week, that he used to play for us. Um, apparently he's available on loan. Uh, uh, Brentford have said he's available on loan. I'm taking this with a pinch of salt, to be honest with you, because... It's not us, you know, no, there's been no indication that we're really that interested except for paper talk. And the only reason this has come to light now is because I think Brentford has said he's available on loan because they're looking for other options as competition for Ivan Tony, who's obviously doing fantastic there. So, yeah, you know, would he add, add much to the team? Maybe, maybe not. Um, the other one was mentioned, and I hope I'm saying this uh, name right, but it comes from Arlind uh, Sadiku who is a, um, apparently a well-respected journalist, and he reckons that uh, Vedit Mariki, who is currently at Lazio, is uh, on his way to the Premier League with either ourselves or Leeds United willing to break the bank uh, to sign well, him. We don't play in the Premier League, uh, Ireland. Sorry, two English clubs. Sorry, two English clubs. Oh, OK, Marcus. sorry. OK. Now, th this one's... I, I, I actually... I said this one feels like complete paper talk because... We've repeatedly said that we need to lose players before we can yeah. obtain any, and he would need—he would be a fee and wages. So, yeah, and Break the Joe, bank. Joe Massey, Joe Massey came out and said that this was this was not true uh, from the Express and Star, uh, and until John Percy says it, it's it ain't true anyway. So, um, I've I've got no time for this rumor at all. Also, he's he, he's he's he's, he's Never scored a goal, I think, for Lazio. Or he's he scored three goals in the entire time. Yeah, just looking at his record, it's pretty poor. I mean, he scored. Well, sorry, no go. I'm just going to say he scored some goals in the, um, you know, here and there. But uh, yeah, he scored one goal for Lazio. Not exactly the prolific striker we're all hoping for. Um, so I don't think there's anything in it. But I just wanted to mention it because. It's been reported around in the press, and I think he's... 20, 20, 27 appearances for Lazio in Serie A, and he's got one goal. 
That's like Jordan Hugel. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> him and, him and Hugh, I feel sorry for the for the person who's going to get the balls after training. <laughs> they'll be in the they'll be in the bushes. They'll be in the trees. Be everywhere. I mean, um, you know, I mean, yeah. if that's if let, let's flip it, let's flip the coin, and this is a true rumor. If this is a true rumor, we haven't learned. A, a no, thing. that's that's up with Kenny Kenny Sahara as, as a poor decision in terms of transfers. But yeah, yeah. Um, another story I want to talk about is uh, Sky have stuck their nose into our fixtures again, shall we say? And they've moved our fixtures around to cater for themselves. Um, and it's it's quite poor to be honest with you. So our fixtures, upcoming fixtures now are uh, we're playing Sheffield United on Wednesday, February 9th. We're playing uh, Blackburn Rovers on Monday, the 14th of February. We actually have a game on a Saturday, unbelievably. Uh, we're playing Luton Town, I think that's away, on um, the uh, 19th of Feb. And then it's Tuesday, 22nd of Feb, we're playing Middlesbrough. And then Monday, the 28th of February, we're playing Swansea. So really, you know, changed our, our fixtures around and, and made it really difficult fans to attend games. We've already mentioned about the low attendance against Brighton. Surely, you know, this is not good for the club. I know they got that. And, you know, we talk about, you know, long-term planning. Well, the the, the English um, Football League needs to start doing some long-term planning because the way they're going and the way they're just, you know, saying to these TV companies, yeah, just do whatever you want in terms of our fixtures. Less and less fans are actually going to be attending games. And before long, you know, we've talked about esports being competition for football, apparently, and younger fans are, are losing interest and they blame esports. Um, look how many fans left. I mean, this this fixture list is shocking. Yeah, but this is this is this is one of the punishments for coming down. You know, this is the problem. You come down from the Premier League and and you end up in in this scenario where there's been a collective bargaining agreement between seventy odd clubs. You know, instead of yeah. twenty. So you know the benefit of you know there's a huge benefit to people like Blackpool who are never on telly because they get the television money that we've generated basically yeah. because people are only interested in watching the championship for four or five clubs um you know more generally than just uh, the fans of those teams so sky presumably perceived that the best way to get the casual viewer involved uh, you know watching their their channel is to put us on because presumably that that person will have heard of us because we were in the premier league for so many years of recently but then blackpool and Preston North End and all those guys, they're all benefiting because they get a better television deal. It's actually the worst possible television deal in history because the teams that the teams that generate it get the worst deal, the worst cut of the deal. Um, I know that we get some money every time we're on television, but it's just wrecking our fan base. You're absolutely right. It's just destroying our fans. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, but we've talked about this before, haven't we? And I, I'm, I'm firmly behind you. I just think that but ultimately, there's nothing we can do because it was a collective bargaining agreement and it got signed. So when we weren't even in the championship is the worst thing, I believe. Yeah. If I could be wrong about that, but I think we were in the Premier League when, we, when this new television deal came out. So. Yeah, exactly. So we haven't really had a, a much of a negotiation with it, but I just think it, it's really poor form. And once again, it's it's going to deter our fans from, uh, you know, I think come season ticket renewal time next year, <laughs> the club have had a bit of a shock. Um there's a couple of a couple of stories in one really here. I want to talk about the Daily Mail article written by um, Ian Ladyman, who 
basically proposed that the, the, the Premier League should only have 18 clubs in it rather than 20 because the um, the two bottom clubs are so poor in terms of points and, and all this rubbish um, that it should be brought down to 18 clubs. Um, and that also goes hand in hand, I suppose, because they, they mentioned West Brom, of course. Uh, Norwich was another one that seemed to... You know, he didn't seem to like very much. And he, he was saying that the football, I think one of the quotes he actually said um, was that, you know, the football was rubbish or something along those lines. Oh, the quality at the top is terrific, but at the prop, the bottom of the end, the bottom end of the Premier League is rotten and the football is rubbish and has been for a decade. Um, also, this, uh, like I said, ties in well. We didn't respond to it at the time, but Adrian Durham's and I think is it Darren Goff's? Uh, feature of what's the point in West Brom. They've done one on what's the point in Norwich. So firstly, I want to talk about the Daily Mail article because if if, if this article, you know, uh, the reason we're responding to this firstly is because it's frustrating as an Albion fan or a Norwich fan or Burnley fan or whoever because all the money seems to get pumped towards the big clubs, the, the, the big six, they like to call themselves. And the problem is, you know, sponsors and other things like that are going to read these articles and go, well, I'm not going to sponsor West Brom because, you know, Ian Ladyman from Daily Mail and Adrian Durham, they, they don't think there's any point to them. So it's not good publicity for the club. And so it, all it does is, is make things worse, in my opinion, about football, because all it does is put more and more money into the, the big six. Now, when the Super League was happening, there was a lot of criticism because they were saying it wasn't fair and it, you know, it wasn't right and things like that. Well, all this, all articles like this rubbish is doing is is compounding that issue because you could have five clubs in the Premier League. It doesn't matter as long as there's a, rele a relegation, a promotion. And as long as that disparity in earnings between the Championship and the Premier League, it doesn't matter how many teams you have in the Premier League. The clubs that get promoted are going to struggle because they've got less money than the clubs who are, who are established in the Premier League because they get that money year on year on year. The real answer, and I know you just said about, you know, the clubs that generate the money don't always benefit from it. The only way you're actually going to solve this issue is by making it an equal playing field, by making clubs like the NFL or, or club sports like that, where all teams have an equal opportunity to do well. Whereas currently, you know, West Brom are never going to win the league, are they? I don't think, I don't think we, we've, we've got uh, any ambitions to do that. I mean... One thing I will say, Adrian Durham, um, I mean, he's a turkey voting for Christmas because he's a Peterborough fan. Well, yes. So what, is, what yeah. earth, so what yeah. earth is he talking about? Well, you know, absolutely, what's the point yeah. in West Brom? What's the yeah. point in West Brom? What's the point in Peterborough? <laughs> well, you, yes, I want to move on to that now because Adrian Durham's been waffling. And it's funny because I watched the clip and like I said, it was a little while ago now. But he says in it, oh, well, West Brom's when they finished drying their eyes after my stupid tweet. Um, I said... I'm saying, well, what's the point? Because they keep sacking the managers, and every time there's you know, a manager doesn't do well. This is Darren Ferguson's third stint. They've sacked him twice already, and they hire him again. So I'll talk about, you know, um, someone who lives in glass houses not throwing stones. They've sacked him twice already, and I'm sure he'll get sacked soon anyway. So that's three times they're going to sack Darren Ferguson. They want to talk to us about sacking managers. And the other thing that I think is hilarious is the pointless club have just loaned you a striker. Thankfully, West Brom exists. Because if they didn't, 
you're currently in the relegation zone and you wouldn't have a striker to look forward to coming. He's hopefully going to score the goals to get you out of the relegation zone. So I think, and this is nothing against Peterborough because, you know, they're a good club and it's not their fans' fault. But it's just absolute waffle. You know, Darren Goff and Adrian Durham's show is basically saying ridiculously outlandish things, getting everyone wound up and then arguing over it. You know, it's clickbait. What, what they do, yeah, it is. they, they yeah. say something to get to generate phone calls. So Absolutely. because they, so they that's how they that's how they get their revenue other than advert advert revenue. So they, all they do is they'll just come up with some some comment which they know will get people ringing in, and then they just they just sit there and it's a premium phone line, and people are paying to call them. Yeah. Um, but Durham, he's, he's a turkey voting for Christmas because you can't be a Peterborough fan and be a proponent of you know reducing uh, you know further reducing the the, the share of money. Uh, the trickle down, trickle down, you know, uh, from the Premier League because Peterborough are um, have never been a big club, never been in top division in my entire life. I don't believe, and I, I have no no memory of them winning anything or 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 being in the top division. I could be wrong. Um, so they need clubs like us actually to bring uh, to bring revenue back down into the Championship uh, and to buy players from them because Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool. They all buy players from, you know, yeah. Manchester United, each other, basically. You know, these the biggest clubs in Europe. They're only interested in players who've got Champions League experience. But the only reason that Peterborough get revenue is for selling players. And the only two teams they sell players to are teams like us who've got money. And the only reason we've got money is because the Premier League gives us money. Yeah, absolutely. So the only way trickle-down works in, in football is to have teams who are not particularly good have that have money. Because if otherwise, nobody's buying any of these players. And all you'll find is that, because if you look at the established Premier League teams, they're just buying from top teams, each other, basically, aren't they? Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Foreign, foreign players. Um, so that's something that they need to consider. Um, Ian Ladyman's article um, about 18 clubs, it's just, it's just a, a, th- a thinly veiled uh, way of, of increasing the share for those teams. It's mm. a Super League. Trying to create because, the Super League, isn't it, basically? Because the Super League didn't work. They, they, they got shouted out of that idea. They're going to now look for any opportunity to increase the sh- their share of the revenues. And what yeah. they were doing is they're removing two clubs, basically, and basically saying, if we take these two clubs out, that's 200 million or 300 million more for, for us to have. That's all it is. It's, yeah. it's, it's nothing to do with competitiveness. It's nothing to do with – it's just about money. Um, and – that, that's this. The problem is, is when you've got fans of the same six teams. Everybody's a fan of the same six teams. It seems, isn't it, in in England these days? Yeah. Um. You've got very few people like us who support their local team or support the team of their, you know, the, maybe their dad supports. But most people, I think, generally support one of the top six teams. Yeah. And they get into positions where they've got, you know, they work for the Daily Mail and they can write an article. And they write it using them from their own bias, their own personal bias. He's probably a Man U fan, Liverpool fan, some fan of some one of these clubs. And he has got no interest at all in West Bromwich. They see us as nothing but people who are taking money from them, basically, taking money yeah. out of their pockets. Um, you know, decreasing the value of their season ticket by what, by watch, having to watch us play them once like one game a season. You know, it's just, it's just about money. And I think... Um, the, the 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 flip side of the coin, and where I can you know, and where I I the flip side of the coin is, does the current system encourage teams to be ambitious, or no. does does it? Especially the financial fair play. 
or does it encourage teams to be overly cautious? Yeah. And the reality is that it, it, it you have to be cautious because players absorb so much money out of the out of the clubs now that just to be competitive in the Premier League, you've got to I mean, we were spending something like 70 odd percent of our revenues on player wages. You know, and we were rubbish in the top division for so many years. So just just to just to be competitive, you know, it it's costing you nearly 75% of your revenues. Yeah. Um so we have to be very, very careful because the line between success and failure is so fine. But the, the the pitfalls are huge. So you know, fifty five percent, you know, a reduce a reduction in revenue of forty five percent in the first year is enormous, absolutely enormous. And players don't sign year to year contracts; they sign four year contracts. So you have to be very very careful about what you, which players you sign and how you negotiate contracts. Um, so and players are not interested in signing contracts which benefit clubs; they're only interested in signing contracts which benefit them. So you're in a you're in a catch twenty two situation as a club like West Brom or Norwich or Burnley or any of these clubs because on one hand just to be competitive you have to pay these players what they want yeah and on the other hand if you don't pay them if you you know you can't go overboard you can't go be ambitious and sign players that you want to sign you have to sign safe options because ultimately you have to be able to compete once the once the inevitable happens, you know, we're not all like Everton, we're not all like Villa, we're not all like, you know, Manchester City, Manchester United, clubs that have got, that are constantly bailed out, basically, yeah. by fans, you know, by rich fans, basically. Um, if, if, if things go wrong for us, we end up like Derby. So, it's just, it's just bias, it's just, it's just fan bias. He's got he's got a forum to write it in uh, in the Daily Mail, uh, and he's just he's not even thought about it really. He's just thinking about his own club and himself. They genuinely believe. What is the point? Like, why would anybody want to follow these teams? They don't understand what the teams mean to us, mean to us fans. At the end of the day, but then if we never have um, anybody in the media who's able to um, stand up for us, you know, there's nobody in the media who supports West Brom. So nobody understands what the point of West Brom is, yeah. because only the fans of West Brom understand what the point is. Well, surely, as a, as I don't want to go on about it too long, but surely as a journalist, it's your job to find out why teams like West Brom have fans. No, he wants to sell papers, Mike, and he knows that the people who buy papers are statistically more likely to be Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal well, yeah, fans than they are fans, to be, isn't they? Yeah. than they are to be West Brom fans. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, we, we it's a catch-22. Coincidentally, our uh, next game is against Peterborough. <laughs> Adrian Durham's beloved Peterborough. Um, they're currently 22nd in the league, doing really, really well um, in the relegation zone. They've just got thumped 4-1 by Coventry. Yeah. Actually, it was funny. I um, I, will, I, was, uh, I heard a fan's opinion on the game, and he said... I don't want to talk about winning games. I just want to start small and I want to score a goal to start off with. So, and that actually was a quite a good point, you know. So for me, in, my, in terms of my prediction, we should be winning this game, absolutely. But just the former in, hopefully DK will start and hopefully the former in, uh, uh, you know, we can turn that around and, and, and finally get that win that we're all craving. What, what do you think? I just think we need to just build something. Um, yeah, you know, something to get a, behind, yeah. Yeah, we need a resolve. Uh, we need a win. 
preferably. But I'll take any. I'll take just a good performance, uh, you know, and maybe a goal for DK. Something yeah. just positive that we can build on. I'm not expecting us to, to to pull up trees now. I think the rot is firmly in, firmly set in on us. Teams have worked out how to play against us, um, and I don't think we've got the personnel, the really key personnel that we need to to sort of change it. Mm. Uh, we need Pereira, um, and we haven't got one. So I, I just I think we just need to build now. I think we need to get put put promotion. Put automatic promotion to the side and say, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it's not looking very likely at the moment. And hopefully that will that could allow us to to th- think in a different way and perhaps perform in a different way. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Sorry, something I want to mention is I always talk about, oh, we've overran, we've overran. <laughs> Um, because I think we initially said there's going to be a 45 minute podcast. I look back on the times. We have never hit the 45 minute mark in our lives. So I think we're just going to start calling ourselves an hour long podcast. <laughs> we we, we overrun, overrun every week. But one last thing before we go into our trivia. Um, do you, so I know this is your opinion. You're not, you know, you're not, you can't tell the future. But do you think, you know, in terms of Val saying we need our players back, you know, we, we're missing all these players. Do you think once we've got all these players back, Moet, Daro, Shea, Joy, you know, all these players, do you think we will win games and we will improve? Or do you, or do you think that, you know, we are currently in a really poor form and it will continue? I don't, it, can't, it won't continue like this. We've, we've got too many good players not to win games again. Yeah. Um, I think... We just, I think we're in a we're in a we're in a bad we're in a bad bit of form, and we're not we're not doing the things that we need to do to get ourselves out of it. So I don't, you know, it's like you said, you can't predict the future, can you? But no. I don't I don't feel like, you know, journeyman strikers are just going to suddenly start scoring goals anytime soon. We're going to have to change the personnel. Um, DK is the first stage of that. Um, you know, I think where we've gone wrong is too many of our strikers are one-footed. I've said this before. Yeah, you have. Um, yeah. And we're not, they're not doing anything to beat a man anymore. That's That that has gone out of our game completely. Mm-hmm. What, what I liked about Fellows when he came on a couple of times was that he did things that were a little bit different, which our strikers hadn't, haven't done um, yesterday, particularly yesterday. So we're going to need somebody, probably, hopefully it's DK, to do something different, which then causes everybody else to figure out what they need to do again, which is yeah. something different. Um, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not anytime soon, because I think some of these players are so, like, you know, Callum Robinson, for example, something seriously off with him. Grant looks, Grant is, to be fair, Grant, I think Grant is up for it. Um, mm. He's just gone off the boil a little bit. Um and I he think played maybe well I mean, against. Um, sorry to interrupt you. But he played well against uh, Cardiff, didn't he? That second half, he really. But I don't know if that was because he was angry about Moa getting sent off, because he seemed to change after that red card. I mean, Moa's the beating heart of our team. He always has been. Um, yeah. Everything good we've we've ever done has gone through Alex Moa. So losing him for three games was was just terminal. Yeah. Um, but we weren't winning games when we had him in the team. So I'm not saying that he's the answer. But you know, it's it's. When you're spying your team, he's a completely different team. You know, you haven't got your goalkeeper. You haven't got any of your centre-halves. You haven't got your central midfielder, your best central midfielder. You haven't got a striker. Yeah. Yeah. You, haven't got a t- you haven't got much of a team, have you, really? That's right. 
No. So now we've got DK. If we can get Alex Moat back, if we can get our central defenders sorted out, and if we can get our goalkeeper back, at least the spine is back. Yeah. Um, and I would expect us to do better when this when the spine is there. Um, so that's not going to be the case with Peterborough, is it? I think we're still. How many players have we got out still? Probably Dorache is not going to be playing. Shemi Ajayi is not going to be playing. I think Keeper key key will be back. Keeper will be back. Well, that's a positive. Yeah. Um, Dorochet, be, be wonderful if Dorochet could uh, could get yeah. fit, but it's going to take a while, I suppose, with an injury like that. So, yeah, we just got no spine at the moment. But once the spine comes back, I'd expect us to start picking up points and winning games. But I, don't, I just think it's too late, too little, too late as far as promotions, automatic promotions concerned. But we could definitely consolidate ourselves within the uh, playoffs. It would be the aim mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think you know at least if we could consolidate that position and then maybe hit the playoffs as we come into some form towards the end of the season. There's still plenty of games to go, so we'll see. But, you know, if, if we are going to be make a fist of this season, it, things need to change quickly. So, yeah. But I just wanted to ask your opinion on that because, you know, obviously Val is hoping that the player and the players come back, things will change, so we'll see. Um, just moving into our trivia quickly. Uh, last time I asked you, uh, Odd and famously drove to QPR's car park on transfer deadline day. Um, who was our head coach at the time? Uh, John, what was the answer? Was it Roy Hodgson? No, it was Steve Clark. It was Steve Clark. Um, so, yeah, it was a... Uh, I thought it was quite a good question, actually. And this week, if I'm honest, I've been doing a lot of research and it's hard to find good questions about Peterborough because we haven't been in the same league for quite a long time. We've been here, here and there. And we always had an FA Cup game against them. So the question is, we all know that uh, Semi Ajayi scored... Uh, to make it to beat them 1 0 um, in the last game we played them. But my question is, what minute would that goal come in? So, Ooh. yeah, so have a little think uh, and, uh, and let me know. So, uh, just to say thank you very much, guys, for listening. Um, we really appreciate you know your time and thank you very much as well, John, for you know giving you your time. Um, hopefully, we can kick on, guys, and you know. And, and 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 turn things around. DK looks like a real positive, so hopefully, you know, that's a catalyst for us to do better. And and when we get the players back, we can hopefully shoot up the league again. Thank you all so much for the kind comments, and thank you for the support. Really appreciate. It. It's nice to know that you know people are listening to this podcast and they're enjoying it as well. So that honestly, that, that is, we're so grateful for that. But anyway, fingers crossed. Let's hope things improve. Boing boing. Boing boing. <laughs>